how are performing artists supposed to persevere through times like today? Today's guest is Dane Reese. He has been a professional entertainer for more than 16 years and has performed around the world traveling to 48 countries. Dane has appeared on TV, radio, and has performed as a featured soloist for several incredible symphony orchestras around the world. Dane is also an Actors' Equity member and stage manager, the host of You Booked It podcast. Dane is just one example of the work that performing artists continue to do during this difficult time and beyond. Thank you so much for joining our show, Dane. I really appreciate it. I have enjoyed listening to your podcast. I want you to share more about what your mission is. Yeah, for sure. So the reason I I created the podcast was because when I entered the industry and became a professional entertainer, I went to the number one school at the time in the United States for musical theater. And I graduated with this amazing skill set and zero clue of how to actually make that skill set a career. Right. And it seemed crazy to me. Like, how did I just spend $200,000 and I don't know how to do this? Which is mind boggling when you really start thinking about mm -hmm. it. Right. And the more I talk yep. to people and in the beginning of my career, I started talking to people. And even now when I'm speaking to different guests on my podcast, that is such a common sentiment that people have and they express it, which is mind blowing. Right. So really why I started this podcast is said, look, we need to figure out how to fill this gap between whatever your training is and the real world. Because so many people train to be in the arts and they think, oh, it's it's about singing. It's about dancing. It's about acting or whatever your skill is. Right. And while, yeah, you need to have all those skills, that's just the baseline once you walk in the door for whatever it is that you're doing, how you turn that skill set into a sustainable long-term career is way more than that. It's about mindset and mental health and business and financial literacy and everything like this. I thought we need to have these conversations. And the more I thought about it, I said, gosh, the arts as a whole, how do you even teach that? How do you talk about that? Because our career paths can be so diverse. You can go many, many different ways. It's not like this black and white track of, say, being a pediatrician, which I'm sure if you spoke with pediatricians, they would say, no, it's very nuanced about how we go about our careers, and that's totally fine. But from my perspective, I think you're going to be a pediatrician. Your track is pretty well laid out, right? True, and, true. And as an entertainer, there are a million and one directions you can go. There are different parts of this industry that you can go in. Different markets in the world offer different things, have different strengths. And... How do you possibly teach that in some kind of an education setting? So what I thought is that let's have some conversations with some successful people from all over this industry, from Broadway performers to people in Vegas to cruise ship performers to film and television actors to models to agents to editorial hair and makeup people to authors, all of the different people in this industry so we can actually get some perspective on what it takes to actually make 
and create a successful career in this industry and also maybe shed some light on how how do you transition through this industry as you get older if you're say a dancer and your body's breaking down you're getting older you you're not able to be on the stage how do you transition within this career and still be artistically fulfilled and create a lifestyle that provides you an income that's really the meat of why i've created this podcast is to help entertainers take away these actionable insights in every single episode so they can really truly advance their career, get the most out of their career, and have a successful long-term career. One of the things I love most about it is the fact that you have such a variety of guests on your show. When I was in college in the music program, pretty much if you decided you wanted to go into opera, in my case, mm. that was it. You were sticking with opera, you were singing opera, all of your recitals were opera, your studio, everything. But, you know, we never had outside of some of the electives we had to have, and of course, some of the classes we had to do to complete a performing arts degree in, in opera in my case, I never received a lot of perspective about different types of artists that are out there. I consider people serious artists if they have invested time, money, energy into their career. I'm talking about serious artists and I love the fact that you have a variety of serious artists. People think, oh, you're a singer. Oh, you just go memorize music. Right. If you're in the performing arts, you are literally training. And I'm talking about if you are in school and you're in the performing arts and you get a degree or you decide maybe school is not the route, but you are taking courses and investing your, your time and your money into perfecting your class, you pretty much are training like an athlete. Having that perspective from a variety of different creative and performing artists helps educate people because a lot of our education comes from real world experience. With that in mind, how has your perspective about the industry changed since you said, you know what, I'm going to major in musical theater? I started in the arts quite late. I am not your regular, you know, started dancing and singing at four years old kind of story like my daughter, right? I played sports. I was your typical jock. I'm your high school musical glee story. I played sports and then I got injured out late into high school. I got concussed out of football, would have needed elbow surgery if I kept playing baseball. And one of my sister's friends came over one day and she said, hey, Dane, we, we need a guy to lift some girls in this Christmas show. You want to do it? I figured I got nothing else going on. I'm so bored. Yep, let's do it. And to make a long story short, I I loved it. And I kept doing it and doing it and doing it and adding different elements and went to school for musical theater or went to school for vocal performance first, actually. And then I was mascotting at the school that was at the University of Montana. I won the Capital One National Mascot of the Year Award, which then, but that whole experience really showed me, oh, this massive performance. And, you know, I was performing to 20,000 people every weekend and then doing vocal performance. I was like, oh, I need, I need to do more. I need to do musical theater. How do I do all my things? And that's why I went into musical theater and went out to the East Coast to the Boston Conservatory and then off to New York. And because I started late, having that education platform for myself was really good because I had a lot of catching up to do, right? And in, and in the time that was the right decision in my mind to make, now hindsight, I I, I'm not sure if I would have taken education route or the traditional mm -hmm. conservatory or education route because I always thought I needed to play it safe. I needed to have a degree. And mm -hmm. it, it really depends on what it is you want out of your career, right? I've not come into a situation in my life where a degree would have really helped me one way or another because it's so merit-based on what you're 
performing for. But that's not always the case for different people, depending on what you envision the trajectory of your career doing. The biggest perspective that I have when I look back on things is I wish I would have asked myself the question, what do I want out of my career? And I think it's something that everyone needs to ask themselves oh, and powerful. really spend yeah. really spend time asking yourself that question and sit on it. I don't, you're not going to ask yourself that question, write it down on a piece of paper in five minutes and be like, yep, that's it. Even if you think that's it, sit on it, revisit and live with that for a while. Because if you can get clear on that question, the paths of what, where you should go and what you should do become much easier to make and much more clear because I never did that. Right. And it took me so long in my career to really figure that out or to ask myself that question. For instance, me asking myself that question would have resulted in me going, okay, all I really want to do is perform for a living, entertain for a living. I do not care where that is in the world. I will pick up my life and move wherever I need to move and go wherever I need to go. I just want to perform and I don't want to do other non-entertainment related work. That's what I wanted. And because of that, I would not have needed to go get a traditional education. I would have privately educated myself through going to workshops and classes mm -hmm. and going to studios and get building my skill set that way, finding mentors to help guide me and coach me along the way, I would have taken that route. I also wouldn't have gone to New York City because as great and brilliant as New York City is, Broadway was not really ever my dream per se. Like I said, what I discovered about myself was I just wanted to perform. If it's Broadway, great. If it's not, that's fine. But I knew to make Broadway work, you have to be in that city. You have to really go after it. And you have have to ultimately do a lot of work that is not entertainment related while you're getting there for most cases. And ultimately I ended up in Vegas, which was a brilliant place for me. And I spent a lot of my career there and used it as a hub to travel around. But I loved Vegas because it's the entertainment capital of the world. In over seven and a half years, not one time did I do something that was not entertainment related, which that was it. You know, that's an exciting thing to have found. And it's really about getting clarity about your career and what it is that you want. That's great that you bring up Las Vegas because a lot of performing artists don't realize that Vegas is actually one of the entertainment capitals of the world. We're so conditioned to be like LA, New York, maybe Chicago, mm. as far as being yeah, in the United Chicago, States. For sure. I remember when I lived in New York, all of my friends were going to school to get their masters. I was the only one after I graduated saying, okay, I'll just move to New York, find a really good voice teacher, all of that stuff. I talked to my voice teacher this one lesson. I said, well, everybody's going to get their master's right now. Maybe I should start applying. He looked at me and he said, Bridget, you live in New York City. The, the city is your university. <laughs> this is where you're going to get your <laughs> honestly, master's. Honestly. And I was like, really? He said, do you know there's so much to do? Oh my gosh. He said, stop thinking about going to get your master's in opera right now. He says, why don't you just do everything you can by taking in what the city has to offer from classes to performances, to Broadway, to off-Broadway, to everything. And that's what I did. It was the best piece of advice that I mm -hmm. had ever received from a teacher. And I think I was probably ready to receive it. It was one of the most successful years I had because I took the pressure off of, oh, I'm supposed to be in school. And I started just having fun with what I was doing as a performing artist. You know, it, I started taking more acting classes and I met people who were specifically actors and I went to the opera all the time. And it, it was just, it was just great. I did everything and anything that had to do with the performing arts and I loved it. So you're married now. 
Sorry, ladies, yeah. and some of you gentlemen out there. <laughs> Dane is married. <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you and your wife. When you decided to get married, I know we've talked about this off off this show, but did it impact your career? as a performing artist, a lot of people have that question, especially with people who are maybe in their twenties or thirties, they're thinking about getting married. Maybe they have a successful performing arts career, or maybe they're just kind of like, no, I've been conditioned to do performing arts. I'm going to keep my auditions. But the minute you start bringing in relationships and marriage and all of that, how did you make it successful? How did that impact your solo career as a performing artist? Because now it's not just you, it's about the other person as well. I am lucky. Both my wife and I are entertainers. She's a dancer. I'm a singer, dancer, actor, and that's what we do. So something that I've run into with speaking with a lot of peers and also people on the podcast is that it can be difficult because especially if you have two people that are in the industry, or even if there's one going off on tour, taking jobs, being away from each other, that can be really, really tough and strenuous on a relationship. Something that the two of us really committed to in the very beginning was that we wanted to be together. We wanted to perform together. We wanted to work together as much as possible. And we made that commitment to each other. And that's what we did. We met each other on a cruise ship. I had been living in New York. I booked the show. My agent said, I think we're going to not do this one. I said, I think we are because I need to pay my student loans. And off I went. And I said, I'll, said, I'll, be, I'll see you in a year. That's when in 10 months or whatever the contract was, right? He goes, all right. Let's do it. So off I go, had this amazing experience creating all these brand new shows on this brand new ship, met my wife, and that was that was it. I never made it back to New York. But while we were there, what we did is we said, okay, we want to be together. You're from Australia. I'm from the United States. How do we make this work as an international couple? So we created a package together and we said, all right, let's take this and send it off to absolutely every single person we can think of. So we sent it out into the world, say, this is the deal. We need to be hired together. Carnival Cruise Lines was the first one that called us back and they said, yep, we will work with your situation. And we said, great, that is the only, that was our mission. Some people, it's maybe being Broadway or whatever. Our mission was, how do we work together? It didn't matter what that contract was. And they said, yes. And we said, let's do it. We got to perform and be together professionally. It was amazing. We got to live together, work together. So good. And travel the world together. From there, moved to Australia and we've even had opportunities that came up where we had auditioned for things together the same shows one time I was offered the contract and because we had just been engaged they legally couldn't tell me if they were going to be offering her a job they just couldn't and the job was in Singapore the way their visas go they're like look you've got 48 hours or 72 hours or something like this to give us a yes or a no because we need to start processing all of your visa paperwork ultimately got to turn the gig down because it wasn't in alignment with what we were trying to be as a couple. Also, I've intentionally not auditioned for national tours or international tours because I don't want to be away for months at a time. It was That was just never something that was in the cards for us and that's something that we committed to. That's what has worked for us, but I think the relationship with my wife is more important than a tour. So that's the way we viewed it and that's the way we've moved forward with it. That's a, a great piece of advice 
for performing and creative artists out there who are currently in a relationship. Maybe you're married, but I think it's really great the way you got on the same page and said, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're not going to do. Some things are just non-negotiable. And I love that you guys put a a hard stop on the things that are just non-negotiable for your relationship. You know, during this pandemic, we have had to embrace new ways of doing things. Some of us have started using technology more than ever before. Tell us something you incorporated during this time that you're going to continue with, a new skill that maybe you learned during this time. Podcasting. <laughs> You've had a lot of podcasts. I have. Well, you've I been on the seven, air for like a year? Seven days a week. Yeah. Not even, since mid-June. I was doing seven days a week. And just this week is when I am just slowing up the the publishing rate just a little bit to concentrate some other things. But absolutely, that is... That is a massive skill that, of course, I'll be continuing moving forward. But I love the the digital world. Doing presentations and masterclasses and things like that is something that 100% is, I feel, is going to be staying around. Because it's one of those things when, you know, if you're getting hired to come and do a masterclass or give a talk, the digital realm, because now it's something, it's always been there, right? We've always had, Zoom's been around for ages, Skype's been around even longer, but we've not really leveraged it the way we are now. And everyone has gone, you know what, this is pretty cool. We can still get all the information that we really need without having physical people physically there. Obviously, if you're in person, that's the best because you get that exchange of energy. But Zoom is great. And when it comes to giving masterclasses, it also makes it much more accessible for everyone to get more information. It also makes it more accessible for training programs or universities, for instance, to have different masterclass teachers or guest speakers like myself to come in. Because if I'm coming into your program, now you're not having to pay for my flights. You're not having to pay for my room and board. You know you know what I mean? It, yeah. Which is often the most expensive part of any kind of event like that. I agree. Have you ever felt like giving up as a performer? No, never really mm-hmm. felt like giving up. I have gone down a few different paths sometimes and realized this is not what <laughs> I do. I'm, this is, I'm out of alignment with this. This is, yeah. I'm not happy and it's good. I mean, it's, I think it's good to to dabble and to try yeah. some different things because then you do get that perspective. But I've certainly learned that about myself. No, no. <laughs> what gave you the chutzpah or the guts to just dig deep and keep going, persevering through anything? And especially what you're saying about you know, you've dabbled in other things, but there's something that leads you right back to the performing arts. What is that thing that kind of keeps you going in the performing arts that makes you say, no, this is what I'm supposed to be doing? I think it's growth. It's always growth and pushing myself. I hate being stagnant. I am. Oh my gosh. You're, so yes, that's I so need true. to be, I need to be moving forward. And I think for whatever reason, the performing arts or something arts related or creating things like this podcast podcast and speaking with people that bring so much positivity and inspiration to other people, that is so motivating to me and so fulfilling to me that there's there's literally nothing I've ever found that gives me that fix, I guess, for, for lack of a better word. And I need that. You know, I need to keep moving forward in progress. And I think with performing arts, when you when you put yourself out there all the time and you kind of break through that little fear barrier and you're a little bit uncomfortable and you keep going, it, I like that. I like that feeling, that little bit of nervousness that, but you break through it, you push through it and it makes you feel really accomplished when you do it. And that's what I, mm-hmm. that's what I 
love doing. That's what it is. I always tell parents um, who might want to sign up with me for a boys lesson or have me come speak or usually it's with their, you know, maybe high school student. They're like, well, they're not really that good, but they like, I was like, well, that's the point. You want them to continue to sing. You want them to continue to perform because it Mm. is a life skill. And the fact that you're able to memorize something, execute it, take direction, do all of this. I mean, isn't that what we have to do in life? You have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to be able to speak in public. You have to be able to know how to walk in the room and command someone's attention. There are just some things as a life skill you just have to have. And I feel like that's definitely what the performing arts does for, yeah. for many people. And I think it's it's so overlooked that people forget that it's really a, a life skill. And there's so many things that I've done. Like I was telling you, I ran for Congress twice and people just every single time. <laughs> I guess what the thing was is that you go for like a local office first, but I decided to go for a federal office. (laughs) And so everyone that I met on the campaign trail who was running for like a local office or something like that, they were like, and you're running for Congress? Oh my God, you've got some chutzpah. But I never even thought (laughs) twice about it. I just knew this is what I want to do. This is where I think my message can get across. This is what's important for the arts. These are the people I need to be in the same room with to get my point about being able to support the arts financially in a global economy. That's what I definitely wanted to make sure. But people just were all, their mouths were always to the floor when I told them, they're like, you're crazy. You got some guts. I'm like, what? And to me, being a performer, you're so used to doing that all the time. You're used to hearing yeah. no. You're used to just put, getting yourself outside of your comfort zone. It's just like, okay, am I supposed to be scared? <laughs> Sorry, I yeah, missed right. that exactly. memo. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, and I, I think you really hit it on the head with it's a life skill. And people, you don't have to become a professional entertainer to gain so many skills from the performing arts. But I think it's so important to put people in those situations because you get the life skills, right? Being things that are actually practical in your life and throughout your life. For whatever reason, we we celebrate teaching high school students calculus. I was an, I was an AP calculus in high school, AP physics. I have not done anything. <laughs> calculus is completely non-applicable to everything in life unless you're going to be like an engineer or something like this or go be a professor you don't need it Mm -hmm. it's great that i can stretch but you do it right but they go well it's because you're stretching your mind you're learning how to do this you're like exactly this is why we need to have people in the arts this is why we need to have people learning these life skills speaking in public doing uh speech and debate which i so wish i would have done but those kinds of skills are actually real life skills that you use your entire existence, not calculus, not physics. Yep. So true. I want to know what is your side hustle and why did you decide to start it? Yeah. Anything that brings in a stream of income throughout the year. I think that's important I would that say, performing artists know. For sure. I have done loads of different things over the years. My production work and I can be viewed kind of as a side hustle because it's not really the core of what I do, but the, the corporate side and corporate production, which is great and fascinating. But I guess if you were going to look at it from an income uh, percentage, it would be less than performing. And yeah. that is 
but it's still in the industry, being a producer, being a, a project coordinator and things like this for giant conventions like AWS, which is Amazon's servers and internet arm. And they've got a convention with 60,000 attendees that come to Vegas, right? So working there and orchestrating and things like that. So it's still in the industry, but it is not performing. It's important that performing artists realize that they have to have various streams of income, get rid of the shame about having a job outside of the performing arts. People are starting to realize that, but there was definitely a time when it was just kind of like frowned upon if you did anything other than, I'm an opera singer. Oh, you work full time? Um, yeah, then how are you an opera singer? But now it really is important that singers realize, well, you know what? You need to have more than just one job because when the opera companies stop calling you, where are you going to be? <laughs> you know mm. what I mean? So I think yeah. that's really important and people need to realize that that's part of perseverance because you don't want to have your psyche hooked up into something that says, well, you know, you got this job, you've been doing great with maybe performing, but let's say they don't call again the next season. And then there goes your self-esteem, there goes everything, your value, your worth that you think is out the window all because, you know, someone didn't call. But what I think is really important is that performing and creative artists realize that, oh, wow, you know, I have a skill set that still allows me to be creative or bring in money um, outside of the performing or creative arts, or maybe it's in it, you know? I think it's really important to always talk about that. What is something that the 18-year-old Dane would say to the Dane now about perseverance? I would have told myself is to get clear, really, at what is it that you want out of your career and get very clear on that at 18 years old. Of course, it's okay to adjust as time goes on, but still have that clarity right then and there and move forward. And then to be more present, to enjoy the journey instead of trying to focus on the accolades and the resume lines and the peaks of your career. Because in the beginning of my career, I focused on them too much and I missed the journey. And, and that's really where the success lies and that's where the fulfillment lies. And that's also what makes it easier to stay motivated, to, to keep that perseverance, to stay on the front end of your mindset. And being present is huge. Being clear and being present is what I would say tell myself. And those are two not easy things to do, but to always be checking in with myself and always doing that as much as possible. Do you have any new projects or events you would like to share with our listeners? Nothing new at the moment, except for the podcast. Come check that out. It is an incredible resource. If you are an entertainer, in or if you are in the entertainment industry or if you know anyone aspiring to be in the entertainment industry you booked it will be an amazing resource for them every single episode you literally get some truly great actionable takeaways yeah. that you can apply into your career immediately and it's a fantastic resource it's, it's really grown much more than i anticipated it ever would and how become a more much more important resource than I thought it was ever going to be. I just knew it was going to be a fun time talking to my people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. My entertainers. I knew I was going to have a good time. That's all it was. And I didn't realize how how important the resource is. What's the be. value? So yeah. You have such value in your podcast and it's so incredibly important to to keep talking about um, things that are specific and unique 
to those of us in the performing arts, the creative arts. And I'm so glad that your platform allows so many people to listen and to have access and, and to gain a new perspective, which I think is, is really great. So please, everyone who's listening, please, if you like this podcast, and even if you don't, <laughs> go listen to Dane's podcast. You booked it. So where can our listeners get in touch with you? You can find the podcast literally on any podcast platform, whichever one you like to use. Just search You Booked It and subscribe. And if you want to chat, go to Instagram. That's where it's most active. Go to at You Booked It Podcast and follow me. Send me a DM. I'm super active. I will absolutely write back, get in touch. If you have any questions and that's the best way. Great. Thank you, Dane, for being such a great guest on our show today. I really appreciate it. You are such a joy to talk to. Thank you as a fellow podcaster for being such a great role model and a source of inspiration for so many people out there who are even outside of the performing arts and the creative arts. Thank you so much for being such a great guest on our show today. Oh, thank you so much, Bree. It has been such a pleasure to be on your show. It's been great. Thank you. And remember our quote of the week, which is the music is not in the notes, but it is in the silence in between by Mozart. Appreciate the time in the middle that maybe there's not a lot of music that you have to reflect. And that's okay to, to be silent. That's okay. Thank you again to everyone who is listening. You can follow me on Facebook, which is Harbor for the Arts, or my performing arts page, which is Brie Cooper Mezzo Soprano, and also on Instagram, Harbor for the Arts, that's H-A-R-B-O-U-R, it's old English spelling. Thanks again, everyone, and I look forward to the next podcast.